0: You are about to hear a message preached at Church One on the Gold Coast. To find out more about Church One, visit us on the web at churchone.com.au. And be sure to subscribe to these podcasts so you don't miss out on any new messages as they are available. Those of you that don't know, my wife and I really embarked on a journey to reform a church and re-found the church and We're driving on the highway, I remember when we're about to start this church. And we're thinking about what will we call this church? Because, you know, um, there's so many cool names out there for churches. In fact, it's like, it must be like a competition to call churches names that are really weird. I know a friend of mine has a church called Catalyst. Like really cool, Catalyst, we are Catalyst. Another friend of mine, and you know this guy, he called his church our church. And it's really confusing because whenever we're referring to his church, we're saying it's our church. I said, actually, it's not our church. It's our church, but it's his church. So I think he did that deliberately knowing Kevin, right? Um, and so you get all these names everywhere. And, and my wife and I were driving down the highway, and I said, I don't know, I'm, I'm just trying to think about this, and, and I kind of had this thought, if there was one church I want to go to, it'll be my church. I kind of had this kind of almost egocentric idea that my church is the best church in the Gold Coast. Well, it should be. Every pastor should think so about their church. Don't you think so? And you should think so about your church because if you don't think your church is the best church, what are you doing here? Come on, somebody. Right? Because we got to have that attitude. Is your house your best house? Is your husband your best husband? Is your, of course they are. Right? So, so we were kind of sort of just traveling along. And, and I just thought if, if there was one church, because I was doing a study of the church of Jesus Christ in the, in the New Testament. And in the vicinity where Paul planted, there was actually only one church. They didn't plant multiple churches in one city. There was one church in that city. They'd go to another city and plant one church in that city. Not like today where there's so many churches in in the city. Like in Helensville, you cannot get a hall like this to have church. I'm telling you, there's actually no community hall, no school. When we left our building, this became available within a week of entering this place. It was a miracle that this was available. And it was just really to have this where we are, to have this facility, I'm just thankful to the Lord. I know we're kind of paying the price of bumping and bumping out. That's a small cost to have a building like this that's safe, that has car parking, that has potential for Im- immense growth. Amen. And so we're driving down the highway. I said to my wife, I've got it. There's only one church. Let's call it one church. I said, no, no, no we're going to call it Church One because I want people to know that church comes first and then our name. Church One. And then the scripture hit my heart, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5, for there is one body, one God, one spirit, one head. And 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 for the moment, I thought even though we're a local expression and God's going to bring people around us that will make this their home, we are one with every church in this city. And I don't ever want to be the kind of church that would compete with another church, but I still think we're the best church in this city. Yeah. <laughs> Amen? Because I love this place. And as we're driving, I'm thinking, oh, that's kind of clever, but I thought it was a bit, uh, how will people kind of catch that name? It's kind of weird because people would say things like, Uh, you know, Life Church, that's what they would say. They would say uh, a name of the the church, like Catalyst Church. And they would do all these things. And I thought I'd reverse the whole thing and call it Church First because I want people to know we are Church First of All. We just happen to have a name, right? Church One. And so, so far, I'm satisfied with the scriptural backing on this thing. I'm satisfied with how it's going to look like mark uh, from a marketing point of view and then as we were driving I saw this big sign on the freeway one of those big billboards and it says one and I said that's a sign from God and I felt the anointing of the Lord (laughs) it wasn't quite like that but just thought oh there you go that's cute (laughs) And so we started on this journey about five years ago, and Church One was birthed around about the 14th of February. Uh, 2014 was our first Sunday service as Church One. Uh, You know, I just love that it was Valentine's Day. Amen. Because we're founded in God's love. And so you always see these words everywhere, together we are. And we wanted to make sure that we are a church not just because of what we do, but of who we are. Because God calls us not based on our performance, but based on who we are. He loves us for who we are. Lakedo said this, Max Lakedo said, there's nothing you can do that can make God love you more. There's no sin that you can commit that can make God love you more. And he further on said, he loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to keep you just the way you are. That there's this transformational process that we are going through. And yet in the moment where you're at, God loves you for who you are. And and I want it to be the kind of church that together we are who we are in Christ. Because we are a multicultural church with people from different demographics, different economic status in society. And none of those matter to God. What matters to God is that you have Christ in your heart And that you are following him as your Lord and Savior. That's what matters in this church. Our cultural propensities, no matter what that might be, that doesn't matter to God as much as the citizenship that you have in heaven. That's what matters to God. And we wanted a church that truly expresses who Jesus is in the lives of people. That's why we say together we are. And as we traveled along, we started to discover that God had a vision for us. About two years ago, I had what I believed to be a visitation from the Lord. And God showed me what the vision for this church moving towards the future. And that is to be a church that would gather, a church that would be missional, and a church that would disciple, that would make disciples who would make disciples. And it started to make sense because now it makes sense. Together, we are gathering. Together, we are missional. And together... We are discipling. Because I don't think that you could ever do the work of God successfully on your own. That's why he called the church. Even so, the local church. Amen. So today I want to really use that as a foundation and just kind of throw out some things to you scripturally what church means to me. And I hope that you begin to capture, if you can capture just a few of these things you're going to have one of the most powerful future in church. You'll begin to see what church is. Let me tell you what church is not. Church is not a social club. Because social clubs are there only for social connections and and relationships probably at that level. Let me tell you what church is not. Church is not a sports club. I tell you what, church is not. Church is not an organization, but more an organism. Because it grows, it's alive. It's not ruled by men, but ruled by the Spirit of God. Let me show what church is not. Church is not just a group of people meeting together on Sunday. Church is a family. There are deep connections that happen as you travel along church that's why it hurts and this is the reality of church sometimes people come and people go and and when deep relationships are connected for whatever reason people get offended or or move on it hurts it doesn't just hurt them it doesn't just hurt the pastor it hurts everyone i'm not one to say that you're here forever I wish I could say that because everybody has a will. Everybody can make their decisions. But it does hurt because we are a family. And for some people, it takes many years to recover from those things that get broken in relationships. That's reality of our humanity. I wish it wasn't like that, but it is like that. We've been doing this long enough to know. And after 25 years of full-time ministry, the pain is still the same. Our hearts get broken over and over again for the same reasons. And it's, you don't get numb over the years because love exposes you. Love puts you in a place where you can be betrayed and, and, and you can be hurt. That's just the reality of being a pastor. That's the reality of being a Christian. That's the reality of being connected to family. Right? Let me tell you what church is not. Church is not a babysitting club. A babysitting club. Where we can dump our kids or think that it's a place that we can just have the best of everything. Let me tell you what church is not. Church is not a concert. Is that too much? It's a place of worship. Because these guys didn't come here today to perform. They came here today to elevate the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let me know what church is not. Church is not a place to, for motivational speeches. To make your life better for self-improvement. Church is a place where the Word of God is preached under the anointing of the Spirit to transform your life so you could be more like Jesus. That is what church is. Let me say what church is not. Church is not for your consumption. Church is for your contribution. It's for you to give yourself, your time, your talent, your treasure, your heart to others. Even at the risk of being hurt, Yes. That's what church is. That's the kind of church that Jesus spilt his blood for. And his body was broken. That is the church of Jesus. Let me tell you what church is not. Church is not perfect. So if you came to find the place where everybody is nice, you'll find that it's not here. If you look for a place where the pastor does not make mistakes and he hits it right all the time, I'm sorry to disappoint you. (laughs) It's not here. Because we're all people trying to walk on this journey to get it right. And we don't always get it right. But by the grace of God, he keeps us in him And he is willing and working through us. And he's able to keep us from falling. And that's the God that we serve. Amen. I'll tell you what church is, though. Church is a place of belonging. When you get saved, you have to belong. It's a place where you can call home. It's a place where you can say, I am together with a group of people who believe what I believe, who are going to see the work of God expand not only in my home and in the lives of so many people within the body and outside of the body. I belong to a family who have my back. That if I really get in trouble, there's at least one person I can call on to that will pray for me, that will stand with me, that will be there for me. Maybe not everybody in my house will be like that, but I know there's at least one that I can call on to. That is my church because I belong. Did you know that one of the greatest needs that people have, apart from the basic needs of, according to a man by the name of Maslow, the hierarchy, the pyramid of needs of humanity, the, one of the greatest needs that we have is a need to belong. We need to belong. We need to belong to one another. Whether it's a, people who are not churchgoers, they belong to a social club. You know, if, if they don't belong to anything physical, at least they belong to something virtual, like Facebook. It's a reality of our society. It's, it's, it's virtual belonging. But everybody wants to belong to something. They're signed their lives off. I remember years ago, we... Um, we did to sign off on a covenant partnership in our church. We had so many pushbacks and people were so, some people were actually angry. When we were asking them to sign off on what they believe to be part of a covenant partnership. What was interesting is that what, what they believe, what we wrote there, they deliberately, which is what the Bible said. And people were actually angry at me that you making a sign off. And I said, are you on Facebook? They said, yeah, you've signed off a lot more than this on Facebook. And yet, I just get you to sign what you believe the Bible says and you couldn't sign it. Anyway, it was tough. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, it says, For just as the body is one, how many is the body of Christ? How many, how many bodies of Christ are there in the world? One. Church, one it is. No. All right. <laughs> it's a joke. All right. For as many of the... Bo- Just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. I know, Eugene, you talked about this when you preached a few weeks ago. For in one spirit, how many spirit? Come on, i got to hear you. How many spirit? We were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we are all made of one spirit. Did you hear that? The guy down the road that goes into the church, we have the same spirit. If they believe in Jesus Christ, and are rooted by the Spirit of God. God brought you here. See, the greatest challenge of the church is not even trying to be one with other works of God. Just being one within their congregation can be a challenge. People have different agendas, different ministries, and have different visions within themselves. When God brings you into one body, God puts a vision in that body, and you need to know what that vision is, and you need to buy into that vision, not for the sake of some kind of false unity, but if God fitted you in that place, you have a responsibility to know the heart of that family and be one with that family. If God fitted you there, you, you, you're responsible for that. You know, the pastor at least shouldn't have to kind of convince you. Who knows what I'm, because why is that? Because it is the spirit that bears witness to your spirits. And if the spirit is one and you bear witness to that, then we become united together to what God is calling us. I remember Pahu, uh, Mariah's husband, said to me a while ago that really uh, impacted me what Pahu said, Mariah. I was sitting with Pahu, and Pahu said to me, I don't need a vision. And I guess he said that quite, you know, fairly uh, blunt that way, as Pahu can be, right? It goes, Pastor, I don't need a vision for myself. I said, said, why is that? Because God brought me to this church. Your vision is my vision. God brought me here to support what God's put here. My vision has to be what God's placed in this house. And you know what really blew me away. I think that's the only person that told me that in my history of ministry. And I'm not saying you all should come to me and say that to me, please. I'm not trying to tell you to that. But it really kind of impressed me, and, and that's a revelation in his heart. I'm not saying that should be everybody's revelation, okay? But there's something to be said about that, I think. There's something really powerful about that when people, even God said in heaven when they were building the Tower of Babel, and he says, if they are united, they can do whatever they want. They can achieve anything they want. So God caused confusion and disunity by changing the world's language so that they could no longer build the tower. Even God realizes that for evil, people can, if they're united, they can be very powerful on the earth. The stronger core, strongest cord that binds us together is the Spirit of God. Even though we're individuals that brought you here, can I just say to you this? What really brought you here in church one is God's spirit. If you've made this your home, and I want you to always remember that because that is probably one of those powerful things that will take you through the storms, that will take you through relationship breakdowns, that will take you through certain things that you go through in your life. Church is a perfect environment, it's a perfect environment. To bring out the imperfections in your life. It's a perfect environment for people to irritate you. It's a perfect environment for you to irritate others. It's a perfect environment for us to see the gracious work of Jesus in the lives of people. That's why church is perfect. In verse 14 of 2 Corinthians, it says, for the body does not consist Of one member, but many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would we be? Where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, what would the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts and yet one body. Just look at your body. If, what, if you're all eyes or all ears, you'd be absolutely useless. And can I just say this? Paul is kind of talking something. He's kind of sort of putting a bit of humor in this and the way he said this. This is ridiculous. A body is not all eyes. It's not all ears, you know. I wish my kids were all ears when I'm talking. But, <laughs> but here, here, you just got that? All right. But here's the thing Paul is saying. He said, you know, understand your fit. Understand what God has placed in you. Understand how you fit with one another and celebrate it. And rejoice in it. Oftentimes we struggle with the idea of comparing ourselves and competing. And that's because the eye wants to be an ear. The ear wants to be an eye. The nose wants to be the foot or whatever. Or it wants to be the mouthpiece. We are so different and yet we are fitted together. The book of First Peter says that we are living stones. I was just speaking to John Douglas just about a week ago, and I love his illustration about the living stone. You, know, you see these stones here. A living stone is alive, which means that as the wall grows, so the stones should. You're not a static stone. The thing about stone that's being fitted, how many of you here understand masonry? When they fit the stones, they get a raw stone if you go to Adelaide, you see all these amazing stone houses. One of our pastors in A2A, he's a stone builder, Rod, Rod Dowie. He, he built a stone house in the hills of Adelaide. He was telling me how they hewn the stone. They cut it and they polish it and they fit it. Can I say to you that your church is a perfect place for God to cut and grind to fit you. And once fitted, you know what happens to the stone? You can't tell the difference between another stone. All you can see is the building. Because that's how people should see the church. So well fitted together. That you can tell a stone starting into another stone. You can't tell a small one from the big one. You can just tell this amazing house. That God, but for First Peter says, for we are a living stone fitted together to be built into a spiritual house. Fitted together. Did you hear the word together? You're not fitted on your own. You're fitted together. That means you're with somebody. And you will never ever achieve the full potential of God in your life on your own unless you are fitted together with somebody i can just imagine the first building projects of solomon in the book of second kings when they built the temple if some of you know this story you can go check it out if you don't can you just imagine the building is just about finished a big inauguration solomon's been prepared as we know, the glory of God came that day and filled the temple. And the priest couldn't even speak because the glory of God was so thick. But can you imagine what would have happened? The Israelites would have been saying, hey, the, the big building opening is coming. And they went there that day and ex- with great expectation. There would have been food, musicians, entertainment. There would have been all kinds of stuff. Can you imagine a father, one of the s- stone builders that day? takes his son to the building site. And as I get to the building site, he says to his son, this is not in the Bible, this is just my story, okay? So just relax. And it says, can you just imagine, it says to his son, you see that rock there, the stone? I said, which one, Dad? That one there, if you go about 12 inches from the right and about three feet up, that's the stone. Yeah, I think I can see it. And it says, well, that stone was much bigger, and it was really hard to fit. And I really worked hard, and I cut this side, and and I almost broke it, but I got it, and I fitted it. And you can't even tell. And because of that stone, this whole place is amazing. You know, sometimes we are anonymous in what we do. No one will recognize what you do. You're just one of the stones. But don't ever forget that even though no one sees and no one notices, you are fitted together. Come on, somebody. Somebody say together. Because it's not about independence, but interdependence that the building stands strong. Somebody depends on me, and I depend on somebody else. I can't live this Christian life on my own. And that is why we are together. that is why together we are. One thing about the building, once the stones are fitted, it becomes a house of peace. Have you been to a construction site when everybody is building the bricks? It's a mess. People are yelling. People are screaming. If Darren's there... Radio with reggae music will be playing so loud. Right? comes to my place, the first thing he does is blast his radio. I know Darren's there. And, and the construction sites like that, there's activities and, and there's safety issues. But once the building is finished... You don't even see any of that stuff. It becomes a place of peace. What it's supposed to be, and a church supposed to be, is an altar of God's praise. A representation of His glory on the earth. This is meant to be a house of peace. When people walk through those doors, I want them to experience the presence, the glory, and the peace of God. And that happens when we allow ourselves to be fitted together to be unseen, to be unknown, to be fitted. And people will see this building, this body, and his glory. That's a pattern that God set in his word. And that's what the church is, that's what the body of Christ is all about. And you are in the body. And you are members of his body. And when people don't see what you do, God does. And he's fitting you. And can I just say this? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this. For we are God's workmanship, created for good works in Christ, which he has prepared for us before the beginning of time. I'd like to change what the Bible says about that in a bit of a joke. I'm kind of kidding. I'm I'm, I'm taking liberties here. I'm not being heretical. Please understand, those of you. I think the reality of that scripture is this. Not that I want to change the Bible because I can't. It's God's word. But I think the reality of that scripture, I'll rephrase it, is that we really, what we are really experiencing is that that not not that we are God's workmanship. I think that we are God's work in progress. Being fitted together. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Right? And some of you are experiencing the polishing of your life. Some of you are experiencing the grinder. The stonemason's chisel chipping away. And if you resist, you could end up with a fault line or a crack that could derail your life. Submit yourself. To the master builder. To the master sculptor. There's a story of Michelangelo that for 25 years, a particularly ugly marble stood in a particular province in Italy. And every sculptor decided that they didn't want to do anything about it because it was an ugly, deformed, rejected marble. It was over five meters long, about six meters high. And it was stood there for 25 years. Finally, the head of the province commissioned Michelangelo to go and create a sculpture out of this. And it took a long time, 25 years. I think it took something like, according to legend, about six months by the time Michelangelo got started. And the prince of the province says, Where is it? Where is it? He says, It's nothing, nothing, nothing. Where's Michelangelo? It's not happening. And finally he started the work. It didn't take that long. When he finished the work came one of the most iconic pieces in Renaissance art, and that is the statue of David. And they asked Michelangelo, how did you come up with this? This is amazing. What did you do? And they said, I didn't come up with this. It's always been in there. All I did was chipped away everything that wasn't David. That's what God's doing in your life. If your life, if you're going through struggles, if you're going through hard times, if you're going through storms, you know what God's doing? He's chipping away something that's not you so he could fit you in his house. Amen. Bless the Lord. Would you just bow your heads for a few moments as we finish today? Heavenly Father, I thank you. I pray that the revelation of your word will run deep in our spirit today. And let it flow out of us so that we would be transformed in your image. So, Father, bless every home and every family in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You have just listened to a message preached at Church One on the Gold Coast. To find out more about Church One, visit us on the web at churchone.com.au. And be sure to subscribe to these podcasts so you don't miss out on any new messages as they are available.